スロットンシュそうですね。
Um, you've got overworld, you know, just kind of open world, running around, grinding rails, solving a bunch of puzzles and these uh, runes, I guess, or opening bits of the map and stuff like that. And then you've got classic Sonic levels, both 2D and 3D, really, really fast. And you have goals that you need to achieve, like getting S rank, getting a certain amount of rings getting the red rings Mm -hmm. but yeah like trying to go through and get s rank on some of these levels reminds me of like trying to score attack on knights you know like you really get in the zone and you're really just trying to improve your own time you know uh and and it's like trying to take seconds off of your time you know but finding new ways to um overcome certain obstacles and to do really well at each level um you just kind of learn the course you know and Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. there are little things you can do you know how you can like lock onto an enemy and smash them and then you do like chain attacks on enemies well you can like do this thing where you basically lock on and then you boost right afterwards and it sends you flying way past the enemy that you were locked onto so you're not actually hitting them you're just like locking on for a second and then boosting past them okay and almost using it as like a slingshot Mm -hmm. Um, and that's one of the ways that you can like speed run each level but yeah, I would say that this is the first Sonic game that I actually really love since, you know, Sonic Adventure. Sonic Colors I liked. I I, I did enjoy Sonic Colors on the Wii, um, but it wasn't, you know, fantastic. It was like a 7 out of 10 kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this, I would say, is, is it's quite a bit up there. You know, it's like, a, you know, A minus. I don't know. Maybe A minus is too much. I, I'd say like a B plus. But I mean, I think that any Sonic fan would love playing this game, I think. Interesting. Um, and I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that I'm wrong. You know, I'm definitely wrong, <laughs> you know, because I was just so cynical about it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is easy to be when you're a Sonic fan. And we've seen so many terrible Failure, 3D right. Sonic games, you know. Well, almost as a segue into our topic for today. I, I, you know, as the sort of 3D Sonic games have rolled out over the years, I found myself appreciating the original 2D adventures so much more, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Like initially, mm-hmm. of course, just like everybody else, I craved 3D because that was sort of the next step forward and what have you. And, mm-hmm. you know, for, for the type of game Sonic painted itself to be in those early Genesis adventures... You know, it really doesn't lend itself well uh, into the third dimension, in my opinion, not unless you change sort of the flavor of the game. And so, you know, the pretty much the only Sonic game that I've enjoyed once Sega went third party um, has been um, Sonic Mania, of course, right? Oh, Sonic Mania was in, well, yeah, that was incredible. I forgot to mention that. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I have that on the Switch as well. And that's incredible. Um, in fact, I'm looking forward to another game in that series. Hopefully we'll see, we'll another see how 2D. that, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's Sonic Mania is absolutely fantastic. And I agree. I mean, the, the, the original 2D Sonic games can't really be beat in my, like, I mean, honestly, unpopular opinion. I like good old Sonic the Hedgehog, like one, mm. you know, and that's my favorite. Um, as cliche as that may sound or what i mean most people i think answer sonic 2 or 3 and knuckles you Mm -hmm. know are the ones that most people love but i just love the music from that original game and the graphics and just uh have a lot of nostalgia i'm sure that nostalgia has something to do with it because you know it was improved upon for sure the Mm -hmm. formula was improved upon but those are that original game just you know holds a special place for me but um, but yeah, if you grab Frontiers, you know, for cheap, it's not going to be like your experience with like Balan Wonderland mm-hmm. World. 
I think you will like it. I think you will. I think maybe it will change your mind. Interesting. And uh, it's yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. I and I'm sure that there are folks out there who played it and still hold on to an opinion that they don't like it or whatever. But I think it had changed a lot of people's minds. Actually, I think that that's the narrative going on right now is that a lot of people were skeptical about it and then they played it and they were like, wow, um, yeah, actually, this is kind of like a turn of, of uh, events for, for Sega, you know? Do you know, it was it uh, was it developed internally? Like, did Sonic Team handle this or I believe so, else? yeah. Sonic Team. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. That's good. But anyway, yeah. So uh, you're right. On the podcast today, we're talking about games that changed our mind. So uh, yeah. And and literally, I, I've i been playing it and will continue to play. I'm, I only just got to the second island and yeah, I'm just really, really sold on Sonic Frontiers. But yeah, there's quite a few Saturn games that uh, I either didn't like back in the day that I played and they changed my mind or... Uh, or vice versa, you know, maybe games that I liked back in the day, but now I have a hard time going back to. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you? You've got quite a few of those? Yeah, um, most of mine tend to sort of veer towards the, uh, I didn't care for it back then, and I I enjoy them much more now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think this is kind of a neat topic because it reflects the changing tastes of us gamers that were around at the beginning. Um, you know, and now we're a little bit older and we probably view the world through a different lens, obviously. And, and, and so it's kind of nice to see how our, you know, gaming tastes have evolved. And then also just to sort of see which experiences may have actually been really awesome all along versus the ones that are, you know, the well-known titles that are evergreen. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very curious to hear, uh, what your selections were. You want me to go first? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, Let's just go with another Sonic game. So right off the bat, uh, Sonic R. Sonic R, and and maybe this is a game that gets talked about a lot today uh, in Facebook groups and whatnot, because uh, it is a Sonic title. One of the very few that we would get on the Saturn, and the only 3D, truly 3D Sonic game that we got on the Saturn. And I didn't buy this game, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. This was one of those games that I borrowed from a friend in class. Okay. I know that this was late. I know that this was probably after Saturn's death in the West because he was gearing up to get an Xbox and Halo. So he had his hands full with like this new console. He was totally going for Xbox. And I was like, so, hey, um, you ha- I know you have a Saturn too, right? And uh, since you're going to have your hands full with the Xbox, you mind if I borrow some of your Saturn games, you know? And he was like, he, you know, he's a pretty good friend. So he let me borrow this copy of Sonic R. Hmm. And he was like, eh, it's not that great, but you might, you know, you might get something out of it. Right. And I went in without any preconceptions. I hadn't heard anything about Sonic R. There was next to no advertising in the West anyway, as it was. So I don't think I ever saw a commercial for Sonic R or anything like that. Um, I was just like, okay, cool. There's a Sonic game for the Saturn. So I fired it up and I immediately started sucking all over, like just doing terrible, not being able to control my character. Um, I thought, is this like a kart racer? Because, of course, I was a huge Mario Kart fan Mm -hmm. uh, since 92. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I thought going in that it was maybe like a kart racer because you got the characters, you know, Sonic characters. But again, like it was so weird because they're on foot. So they kind of turn on the spot like on a mm-hmm. axis almost much different than a car that has like four wheels 
And even Amy like has a car, you know, but even it is somewhat difficult to control, albeit less so than some of the on foot characters. But anyway, so yeah, like just off the bat, it was just incredibly difficult to control. Do you have memories of Sonic R like back in the day and what you thought of it? So interestingly, Sonic R is my first selection as well. And and I'm going to go the other way. I hmm. convinced myself that I loved this game when it was current. And as time went on, I see it more as a collection of really interesting ideas that were put together that don't quite really fit properly. And, you know, I've written about Sonic R in the past, years ago, actually. And, you know, my sentiments then were that it does have a, a pretty steep learning curve. But once you kind of climb that learning curve and really kind of get into it, it, it turns out to be a a mm-hmm. fairly decent game, especially if you don't go in thinking of it as, mm-hmm. you know, a, a traditional Sonic game, which of course it isn't. Um, but but see, what happened with me is, you know, when the Saturn was current, there wasn't much of an internet. So a lot of my sort of gaming information and whatever, all of that came from magazines, both, you know, North American publications, as well as, uh, you know, Britain's official Sega Saturn magazine. And those guys you know, they hyped up Sonic R like nobody's business. You know, it was it was oh, essentially yeah. the second coming is how they were portraying it. You know, and, you know, there, there was a lot of coverage about how amazing the visuals were. And, you know, this is Sonic and it's finally 3D. Anyways, once I got my hands on the game, I mean, undoubtedly the visuals were sensational. Like a lot of the effects were never before seen. You know, we were having 3D transparencies and like that amazingly done fade in effect that, that you know, that was more sort of a Nintendo 64 thing. And here it was running on the Saturn. Um, and so, you know, I convinced myself that, yeah, this is just the greatest game ever. Um, but as time went on, that sort of inherent dysfunction in in it all it it just it sort of puts it into that category of i I maybe don't like it nearly as much as i did at the beginning you know what i mean Mm. everything just seems i i don't know the the 3d levels just seem awfully artificial to me Hmm. And, and that's such a weird thing to say because of course they're artificial it's a video game right but they just don't work well for me together like you know a lot of the walls are appear paper thin and that camera just kind of swerves all over the place and you can kind of see outside the play field sometimes and so just the whole thing just doesn't feel very solid to me you know so so again i like i said i started out thinking this was just such an amazing game at uh, of you know a great technical accomplishment which you know really it is um, you know, it makes use of a lot of what the Saturn is, uh, is good at. Um, but you know, it, it's like putting on clothes that don't quite fit right. And they don't quite match. I mean, sure. You're, you're dressed, you know, mm. but there's aspects there that just don't quite gel for me anymore. And, and I don't know. I, so you've obviously gone the other way. How do you, how would you respond to something like that? Well, I mean, I think that all of those, those are all valid points, you know, and um, mm-hmm. it's not a perfect game by any means, of course. You know, I mean, like it's a very divisive game, you know, so some people think it's absolute trash even to this day, you know, um, mm-hmm. I love it. I love the game. It's grown on me quite a bit. Um, some of the things that, you know, I think have made it so are probably going to be biased things, you know, OK, so it's like it's a Sonic game on the Saturn it looks great. The music is phenomenal. 
maybe back in the day, I might have been too cool for school and thought that the TJ Davis soundtrack was a little mushy, you know, or a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, saccharine sweet, which I think is funny that in that they have an option to turn it off, you know. But these days, like, I absolutely love it. Unironically, I think it's great. Um, but the game itself, once you come to grips with the fact that it's much more of a platformer, that you need to use the 3D control pad and that you need to jump a lot mm-hmm. and that you need to not confine yourself to the course, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as it were, like this, the linear course, but like go with the flow. Like I kind of found out at a certain point that if I was trying to turn a corner and constantly mm-hmm. falling mm-hmm. off the road, you know, that I would just go in that direction and see where it took me. And what I would find is that that new line would end up taking me where I needed to go to get whatever goal I was trying to get the coins or if I was trying to get the emerald, that instead of trying to fight the course, you know, because you have very little traction mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that, you know, could be seen as an unforgivable flaw in a racing game. And so to me, Sonic R is a classic case of expectation versus reality what we expect it to be versus what it actually is, you know? And so again, that's one of the crimes in video games is where the creator of the game doesn't do a very good job explaining to the audience Mm -hmm. the potential of what this actually is, you know? Instead, they sell it as something, you know, like it's a straight up racing game. Well, no. Well, then, okay. If you sell it that way, then people are going to hate it, you know, because they're going to judge it on the merits of being a straight up racing game. And there are so many racing games that do it better you know but um but yeah sonic r is kind of like a -a collect-a-thon platformy jumping and it's a racing game you know and you know you've got all these different objectives and you can unlock you know these different characters and unlock supersonic and i love it um and i've had so much fun going back and playing it over and over again getting better um I have found that games where I do have to overcome a certain learning curve do kind of give Mm -hmm, me a mm -hmm. sense of reward, you know? And I don't mean to be like elite about it. Like, oh, people who don't understand it will never get that. It's just that me personally, like when I have to overcome something like that and then I finally get it, I do enjoy it a lot more, you know? And so that was the case with Sonic R for me. It's just that I enjoy the game so much more because I get get all those little things Mm -hmm, about it that mm -hmm. I didn't back in the day. Like back in the day, I think I played it a couple of times and I was just like, this is terrible. This is trash. Uh, and I gave it back. <laughs> I think I, I, I don't think I, borrowed, I did an extended borrow on it. I know that's true because I actually was telling Mel that that's one of the first games that I bought uh, when I started collecting for Saturn again. Was is that right? Games. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, all the points you made are, are actually quite valid. Like you're absolutely right. Going into it thinking it's just a platformer or going into it thinking it's just a racing game. You know, that's not the right mindset to go in. You really have to go in with an open mind. You have to, uh, you know, take the controls for what they are, the music for what it is, because, because really, like, like you're right, like you know, you you could argue that the that the uh, T.J. Davis soundtrack is a little bit cheesy, but it's also really good and it's fun and it's what Sonic's about, mm. and you know, he's fast and he's go go go. So yeah, you know, it just like I I completely understand where you're coming from. It just isn't gelling as well for me, and I guess mm-hmm. you know that could just come down to a um mm-hmm. you know a, a taste mm. uh, differential. Mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I'm not going to say that it's a bad game because I don't think it is. Right. I just think it's for me, anyways. It's got like one degree of flaw too many. 
for me to, to, to actually say, you know what? I love this game, you know? So it's got a lot of shortcomings and let's be honest, like, what if Sonic R was a really well-controlled racing game, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, how many more people would have enjoyed it then? You yeah, know? very true. What if just straight out of the gate, you controlled Sonic and you stuck to those roads, you know, mm-hmm. and you went really fast and it 90% of people out there could just get it, pick up and play mm-hmm. and enjoy it, you know? Mm-hmm. Arguably, it would have been a better game, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, it's far, far from perfect, but what it is, I've come to grips with, uh, and I quite enjoy it, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I have found that sometimes we'll take a game and we'll try to change it or try to alter it to be what we want it to be, you know? Yes. Yeah. So like with Sonic R, I'm not going to try to turn the goofy music off. I'm going to go full on goof, you know, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, enjoy yeah. it for yeah. what it is. And, it, you know, this game is full of platforming and weird stuff. Just go with it and do all the platforming stuff. And, you know, it's funny. You can do all that stuff and still win, you know, which is, yep. which is hilarious because you're thinking, like, I'm wasting all this time. I feel like the tortoise and they're the hare, you know, and yet somehow I end up crossing the finish line ahead of them. So, you know, it's, it's kind of wacky and goofy, uh, Sonic R. And my only advice to folks if they want to go into it just embrace it for what it is. Use the 3D control pad and jump a lot. You know, use your jump. You can you can almost like double jump and um, correct yourself in midair. Uh, so, you know, if you are having a hard time with a turn, try jumping and try doing a double jump and correcting yourself midair and you can get back on course really easily or you even like go ahead of the pack that way, you know? So there's a lot of really cool little things and and you know bring up a youtube video and watch somebody else play it and you'll see for yourself that there are little techniques that you can use to to get more enjoyment out of the game but yeah i recommend sonic r to folks and and if it's not for you it's easily not for like half of the people out there if not more Mm -hmm. i don't know so Mm -hmm. you're not alone (laughs) yeah definitely well all right so i'll switch gears a little bit and talk about a game that i absolutely hated okay upon release i made fun of it i just thought it was hot garbage and i i I absolutely love it nowadays and that is corpse killer oh okay that surprised me yeah yeah you know so so here was a game that you know fmv at the time was you know really looked down upon Mm. Uh, so, so that was the first sort of strike against it. The second strike against it was the way the game was marketed and, you know, the sort of cover art and everything was just, to me, it was just over the top cheese. And I mean, by marketed, I mean things like, you know, one of the games, one of the year's top 20 games and, you know, you know, get a bunch of coupons inside this game if you buy it. Like it, it was just marketed like a game Absolutely. wasn't typically marketed in, in a bad way, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't original in that sense in a good way. Um, so, so, so there's that. And then, you know, once you kind of start getting into the gameplay, um, the fact that it's a light gun game without light gun support was another strike against it. Yeah. You know, the, the acting, I mean, at the time this was, you know, late teen Peter, I just, you know, you could just the stereotype characters, were such a turnoff, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. 
it, and it was sort of like, okay, so we are in a in a in an age where you know we're really getting truly the best two D games. Three D, you know, has now offered all these brand new gaming experiences. Like, where does FMV fit anymore? Yeah. Like it's it's you know it's expensive to produce. You you're you're watching human actors you know, on a screen, there's very li- limited, um, interactivity. And then, you know, during the actual gameplay sections of the game, the overlay of the, you know, superimposed zombies and, you know, badly pixelated enemies and whatever, like, I was just like, okay, what, how does this even exist? How has this company not gone out of business by continually putting out this crap, you know? <laughs> and, and I look at this game now and I adore it. <laughs> I adore it specifically because it's such a cheesy game, mm-hmm. specifically because the acting and the stereotypes are so over the top. Like it's so bad that it's really good and it's really endeared myself. I've endeared myself. Um, this game has endeared itself uh, to me. Um, and and yeah, like, I mean, I, I quite like all the digital pictures games now, but this one definitely holds a special special place in my heart, you know, and Vince Chiavelli being in it and a whole bunch of other actors, like it just, it works. It works as a cheesy, you know, you're going in with low expectations and it'll beat your low expectations, you know, and, and you'll end up loving it as a result. At least that's, that's kind of how my taste has changed a little bit with that game. Right. And I'm curious, um, you know, what you're thinking, uh, what you think of, um, of uh corpse killer i'm 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 with you i'm with you on most of it like i think not having light gun support is pretty unforgivable like that's the that's kind of the deal breaker for me um i don't find that i'm willing to sit through it these days for that reason um unless we're like talking about it on uh on shiro or something like that so like when when nick did his video you know i fired it up and did like a little playthrough and stuff but again um, I enjoy the B movie camp, you know, that I mm-hmm. definitely enjoy. Um, you're absolutely right about digital pictures. They, they, they have their own like digital pictures treatment for all of their games and <laughs> the way they advertise. I mean, you know, they just mm-hmm. went over the top and tried to get people to buy their games. I think maybe they realized that there was a limited appeal or <laughs> that it wasn't going exactly to plan, you know, the market, mm-hmm. uh, they started doing that stuff in like what 93 on the Sega CD and stuff when it was hot, you know, the market changed yes. almost overnight. It was like uh, yep. in a span of a couple of years, it went from absolute, you know, the hottest thing to like completely passe, you know, once 3d mm-hmm. graphics were in. Right. You know, so it's like, I think even they knew the writing was on the wall, uh, tor- you know, towards the Saturn days. And so it was like, they were doing stuff like, in uh, ultimate gamer magazine you know they had the uh they had like a big sticker on the front of the magazine come see the digital pictures booth at e3 and get something free and so you know it was always like you know yeah. trying to kind of leverage giving away something for free or have winning a prize to get their game and stuff like you really i got the feeling that the company was a bunch of con men you know like <laughs> they were trying to swindle you out of your money and just like take this game it's the best game ever yeah. top 20 of the year whatever you know really they were and, just they put a bunch of time and money into it and and yes, kind of and had to doubled recoup. down and they needed to recoup those costs yeah oh my god absolutely like, the cost of shooting on a hollywood set like that and hiring actors versus like having a couple grunts in a a game studio creating digital assets you know like yeah. it's a big oh, difference yeah. you know so 
you know, yeah, movie games as movies or movies as games, you know, that that promise didn't really, uh, you know, deliver, at least in the vision that they had it. But no, you're right. The the Trinidadian dude, you know, the the dreadlock dude. And then you have the a lot of the jokes, very a lot of innuendo, <laughs> you know, yeah. just, yeah. you know, it hits it checks all the boxes. So, yeah. In terms of like sitting and watching someone play like Pat, uh, Pat did a playthrough and um, watching that, you know, from kind of like a mystery science theater standpoint, I enjoy it. So I, mm-hmm. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Um, it's it's not a bad game. Like, OK, it's a bad game, but it's not a bad game. It's so bad that it's good, right? I yeah. mean, and I mean, maybe that's the other thing too now is, you know, back in the day, this was a full price game. And so if you bought a full price game, oh, yeah. you you had expectations, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like you needed it to be something, especially now on these brand new 32-bit machines, whatever, like it needed to to sort of take you to that next gen, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, next gen playing experience. Whereas these games took you to like a bad 1980s back alley right. or something and you know, gave you a punch in the nose. So yeah. yeah, it just, but you know, now here we are in, uh, you know, almost 30 years later and it just, you know, that, that factor isn't there anymore. And so we can enjoy it for what it is, right. you know? And if and that's, it, I think, if it had feel. had light gun support, I think that it would have immediately taken it up to like a B or an A, you know, like I think that it would be mm-hmm. an enduring, an enduring classic, you know, if it had had like gun support because mm-hmm. it's got so many other things, right. You know, I mean, yep. it was able to play on the attitude and stuff like that. And you look at the cover, it looks cool. Honestly, I think that had it had light gun support, even today, people would look on it a lot more fondly than they do, but mm-hmm. at least we have, you know, the the few things that make it kind of an an endearing cult classic yeah so yep definitely i wonder if anybody could ever like hack in light gun support who knows (laughs) i don't know that would be cool that would be amazing yeah uh yeah so you want me to go next yeah let's uh what's your next one there okay so here's a game i've talked about it before folks who follow the cast probably won't be surprised by this one at all but for years and years collecting saturn and being a saturn fan and i thought there was something wrong with me i must be broken because i don't see the appeal in this game that everyone loves and raves about called dragon force and i just Mm. i was just like I'd fire up YouTube Let's Plays or whatever, and I'd be looking at something that, to untrained eyes, to the uninitiated, looks a lot like a Koei game. You know, it's like a map Mm -hmm. with a bunch of, like, I don't know, troops you're moving around to different, like, castles and um, military installations. And then you've got, like, audiences, which seem like bureaucratic proceedings Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And again, so many times I looked this game up and passed it over. Because I was just like, that's not my thing, you know, like I'm just not that big into like Koei games or or like the, you know, military simulation games and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and then I see these like screenshots or I see, you know, these clips of 200 sprites on screen running towards each other. And I'm like, now that looks exciting. How do I get to that? Is there a cheat code that I can just get to that part, you know, because that looks amazing, you know, and tried firing up the game, watching the initial cutscene 
trying to figure my way around on the map, trying to figure out what the hell I was supposed to do without a manual, of course, mm. um, because this was just, you know, I was I was interested, but I was looking on YouTube. I did not own the game. Um, I just didn't get it. And I asked somebody to explain it to me. And Chaz, and I've just told this story so many times now, but yeah. our own Chaz, you know, he, this was before he was a streamer, you know, he just answered with a video, you know, he put up a video of like, here's how you play Dragon Force, you know, and I'll, and he just started off with Wayne, you know, and he's like, here's how you get into it, you know, and I don't know, whatever it was, but he just laid it out in such simple terms. And I was like, okay, I can get that. Like, that's easy. Okay. Like this is, and so I fired it up on a burn disc or whatever, you know, and I just, I think at that point I didn't have an ODE. So I fired it up on a burn disc and I just played through kind of following along with Chaz, you know, getting into some battles and I was like, Oh my God. And it clicked. Yeah. And I was like, this is genius. This game is brilliant. This is nothing like I thought it was. This is nothing like a Koei game. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And even, even the map segments, it's like sometimes they're almost like a game of pickle in baseball. I don't you're you're from Canada, so maybe you don't know that reference. But anyway, sometimes you're trying to advance to second, but then they throw the ball to second. So you have to run back to first, you know, um, where you're trying to like advance your units before someone else gets there. Um, OK, yeah. On the map, you're always trying to advance your units but you're always seeing where your enemy is on the map as well. And sometimes you have to get to a, a castle before they do and kind of like hold down the fort and get yep. ready to battle with them. Or sometimes you're like, I'm not going to get there before they do. And you have to go backwards. Um, there's strategy in the map. There's a lot of fun to be had in the court proceedings or whatever, you know, mm -hmm, like the, mm -hmm. the audiences, you know, you get to learn about the characters. Um, you get to kind of see if some of these characters are loyal or not, you know, and yep. you can take chances on some of these characters, adding them to your party. And then, and sometimes you get stabbed in the back, you know, yeah. um, and then there's these amazing battles that play out. And those are kind of like rock, paper, scissors in a way, you know? Like they kind of play out in a predictable fashion. And I kind of always had like one way that I would fight a battle and it almost worked like 90% of the time, regardless of who I was fighting. Um, but even then I, I quite enjoyed it. And yeah, you know, like overnight it like went from zero to absolute hero, mm -hmm. um, ending up close to the very top of my list in terms of Saturn games. Yeah. So, I mean, like that, I can't think of another game that did that where it like completely changed my mind. Interesting. Interesting. You know, and I, I love Dragon Force, always have. So there's no, you know, big change for me there. Mm -hmm. um, enjoyed it right from day one. Um, and, you know, so much about it is enjoyable. First of all, I loved the working designs packaging back in the yes. day. And, yes. you know, the fact that you had all these different discards. Some people get really annoyed by by that aspect of it, but I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Um and you know the the visual style the sound effects the you know the sprite work obviously all of that is sensational and just the amount of nuance in the different stories you know you have so many kingdoms you can pick from to go through their stories and um you know what may happen in one scenario happens a little bit differently in another scenario and right. you know there's all these like little sort of side quest stories and you know you can you can go and you know fight you know, Vlad, the vampire guy, and eventually you can get him on your side if you want. And so there's all these, there's, there's always like little sort of subplots that you can right. get into, but you certainly don't need to get into. So yeah, yeah, they're there if you want them. Right. Um, 
but I'll, I'll say this, uh, you know, for years and years, this was an A plus game for me on the Saturn. Nowadays, I'd say it's more of an A, maybe even sliding into an A minus. And the, the only sort of criticism I'll level against it is that the, the core of the game, which are those, those big battles, you're right. There are a couple of strategies that you can use that almost guarantee you a victory in pretty much any scenario. So once you sort of, you know, figure out those, those sweet spots, then it, it does take away a little bit from the gameplay, but, right. but I don't want to poop on this game too much because like I said, even on, on my worst day, I'd give this game maybe an A minus. So mm-hmm. it's still at an absolute top tier Saturn game with, uh, you know, so much going for it. So, yeah. you know, I'm glad to hear that this was one of the games that, that really, you know, you really got turned on to because it's just a classic. I mean, yeah, I fell so deeply in love with this game. I went and bought myself a copy and then nice. I opened up the manual and I was like, oh, OK, well, you know, if I had bought the game and read the manual, <laughs> it, yeah. it, it yeah. makes perfect sense because the manual does lay it out pretty simple for you, you know, like what you need to do. Um, but again, like that's the thing is I. I think a lot of people come um, that, you know, they go through a kind of a discovery phase on a, 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 on a console and it can last several years, you know, where you're just looking up games on YouTube or you look reading, you know, reviews on websites and you're just like, Oh, here's a new game. Here's an interesting game. And you're trying to decide whether it would be for you or not, you know, but all you have to go on is someone else's opinion and some screenshots and maybe a let's play. But it's like mm-hmm. until you play it and it really clicks, then you, you know, you are able to say whether it's like this game is totally for me. I think Dragon Force is for a lot of people, though. Like, so I'm not it's a very popular opinion that it's this amazing game. And again, it's just one of those games I didn't get until I actually got hands on with it and un- kind of understood enough about it that I could get past the initial part. Because that's the thing right. is there's just a bit of a learning curve at the beginning. and if you went into it like me, very skeptical and thinking it was this one thing that it totally wasn't, you just probably didn't have enough incentive to get over that learning curve, you know? Whereas like when Chaz told me, no, it's absolutely great. You've got to stick with it. Here's how, you know, and this will get you into it and this will hook you, you know? And he was right. Cause mm-hmm. once mm-hmm. I got to that point, it hooked me and I just couldn't stop. I was playing every morning before work. Like sometimes I was getting to work nice. late because I was like, you know, I just have to play one more battle. I just got to do one more audience, you know, and mm-hmm. the, uh, and the music is phenomenal. I love the music too. So, yes. Yeah. Yep. But you're right. Yeah. That's, it's got such a, a, um, you know, a one more week quality to it, right? Yes. Yes. The game plays out in weeks. Like yes. at the end of each week, you do your domestic affairs or whatever. Exactly. And yes. Yeah. And, and every time you're just like one more week, one, one more, more week. So one more. So I'm looking at the clock yeah. and I'm like, yeah, I can get to work in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? So <laughs> squeeze anyway, another weekend. Squeeze another weekend. Exactly. Yeah, so definitely. yeah, like there isn't another game on this list that went from absolute like, I don't get it. I don't like this game to this is like holds a top spot. It It's not my favorite game on the Saturn, but it's up there. It's in the conversation of my top 10 games easily. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. so highly recommend. So I've got uh, a bit of an interesting one for my next game, um, and that's Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. So this is a game that I I could not stand for probably 15, 20 years. Um, and, and of course, having played through it a few years ago, I absolutely love it now. I think it's brilliant. And it was, 
you know, game changing back in the day. But the main criticisms that I had against it back then was, first of all, I I could not handle the control scheme. The, hmm. the controls were so foreign to me at the time. Because remember, I mean, at the time, you know, we were teenagers, late teens, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had just graduated from the Genesis, where the bulk of the games were obviously 2D, and 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 so the controls were typically quite simple on on most Genesis games, because there's only so much that you can do with a 2D game in terms of you know implementing controls, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you know, I'd seen tank controls implemented in like Atari games and things like that, but but I've never sort of experienced it, um, you know, on the Saturn, first of all, and in a 3D type game, uh, uh, secondly, and I just could not get a handle on the controls at all. So to me, you know, I I kept thinking like, how do people like this? This controls like garbage and like, you can't do anything with this. So Hmm. that was issue number one. And then issue number two was the security camera angle views and the static, you know, like I, Oh, if, yeah. if if I had to deal with tank controls, but at least I had a sort of free-flowing 3D environment, then I could maybe orient myself a little bit better and, and you know, I might have an easier time with it. But yeah, like I said, at the time, it just, you know, it was, it was such a turnoff. You know, it was so different than, than a lot of the games that I'd experienced up to that point mm-hmm. that I just couldn't quite get over that learning curve. And then the last thing I'll, I'll quickly add in there is the voice acting for a game that in my, my mind at the time, uh, tried to take itself so seriously and tried to create this like very tense and, and scary atmosphere. Like the voice acting just blew that for me. I, I, you know, like it just, it was so out of place and, you know, of course, so, you know, a few years back, I, I gave the game a shot and being older and more patient, I guess, you know, it took a little while, but I got, um, the uh, control scheme down. And once you've got that down, the experience becomes just, of course, immensely enjoyable. And, you know, these were the things that, that folks picked up on back in the day and, 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 you know, they enjoyed and obviously Mm -hmm. Resident Evil went on to have huge success, but, but it took me quite a while to get to that point where I could sit down with it, give it the time of day. And of course I fell in love with it. And now it's one of my favorite Saturn games. So, um, so yeah, it's probably an unusual entry because most, most folks would have enjoyed it right off the hop. Um, but I wasn't one of them. It just did not work for me at all. So, uh, I'm glad that I got to the point where I, uh, where I like it because it's, you know, for, for the first game in a series, it, wow, did it ever have a lot good going for it, you know? Oh yeah. Um, and there's a lot of first experiences that you're not going to really get in any subsequent Resident Evil game either. Like, you know, the jump scares and everything. So, right. so yeah, so obviously great game, no question about it. And you're, you know, I know Tomb Raider is one of your kind of personal mm-hmm. favorites on the Saturn and, and it is a far cry control wise. You know, those two have both 3D, you know, games, mm-hmm. albeit, you know, Resident Evil has like the painted backgrounds, but both technically 3D games where um, they have very, very different controls, you know? Yeah. And so if you were very familiar with like, like Tomb Raider kind of controls, it's just, it is night and day different. For me, you know, and I, I, I definitely loved Resident Evil when it came out. 
but I was already used to a game that had those tank controls, but was far worse. And that was Alone in the Dark. Yeah. So I had played Alone in the Dark and the two things about it, you know, so again, tank controls. So I got to get, but it moves so slow, you know? And then on Mm -hmm. top of that, to fire a weapon, you had to go into a menu and arm a gun. And then you you say use, you know, and then you'd pull it up and it, it was just so clunky. You know, so by comparison, when Resident Evil came out, I was like, oh, this is actually much better than that, you know, so and it was, you know, so I think the folks who kind of cut their teeth on Alone in the Dark definitely saw Resident Evil as like a obvious upgrade. Right. But yeah, I mean, like coming to it from something like Tomb Raider or even, I don't know, Croc or I don't know, whatever other 3D environment game that you had played. You know, it would have been very, very weird, you know, and hard to hard to get used to. Definitely. But yeah, I'm so glad that you did. Uh, yeah, you played it and you talked about it on the podcast, uh, mm-hmm. your, you know, your whole story and everything like that. And you, I think you wrote an article on it, too. Yep. It was really uh, fun to see someone in there. I don't know, close to 40 uh, is like playing it for the first time and experiencing it without really having any any kind of prior knowledge to go on so it was all fresh for you you know absolutely Um, that was great all right what's the next game on your list okay so here's a game that yeah back in the day i held an opinion close to kind of what pat feels about this game um clockwork night the clockwork night games Mm. so back in the day i really dismissed these games as you know kind of like toy story copiers or whatever you know because funny enough they were in development when Toy Story, the movie was in development, you know, so it's debatable. It's like they both had these ideas, you know, at the same time, maybe Clockwork Night might have been inspired by the tin toy, you know, that Pixar okay, had yeah, done, yeah, yeah. but definitely not Toy Story, even though they share so much similarity. And the, and Toy Story actually had a game come out that was kind of quasi 3D kind of, you know, there was also a platformer. So you know, a lot of people would say, oh, you know, it's copying Toy Story or whatever. But it was really like this original thing. And it was these toys. They come to life when the kids are asleep or whatever or when they're gone. You know, they rule the bedroom and, you know, Pepper Chow has to save his girlfriend, or whatever, you know, his love interest, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, I just thought it was too cutesy. I thought that the graphics weren't at like cutting edge because it yep. wasn't, you know, the, uh, you know, full 3D game. That a lot you were seeing a lot of the games on the PlayStation by comparison. And then Clockwork Night just looks kind of, you know. Again, judging it by comparison to other things rather than just taking it for what it is, right? And so now, years later, well, actually, like back back in my years of rediscovering the Saturn, probably like in the mid to late 2000s, I just went back to the game after listening to a few people on podcasts say, you know, how they loved the game or how they enjoyed it, that it should just be taken on its own merits, not compared to anything. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it another chance. And I fired up the first one. And I don't know, for whatever reason, I think maybe because games just the graphics don't really bother me anymore i'm not really concerned about how good a game looks like i was back in the day because you know you'll have something like sonic mania that's in 2d and new retro graphics or whatever and then you have something like skyrim or i don't know breath of the wild so you have games that come in all different kinds of graphics these days and so going back to clockwork night it doesn't really bother me that it's really colorful or you know 2.5d graphics 
Um, what I notice about it and what really strikes me is how well it controls mm. the, you know, popping, uh, you know, using yep. your key to pop enemies, throwing enemies, the jumping, the platforming, it all controls so well. It feels very snappy. I love the vibrant colors. I love the music that I used to think was silly. This like vaudevillian yep. music with like banjo and stuff like that. I thought was terrible back in the day and now I love it. Um, so like there's so many things that back in the day I was so critical about because I think I was just like this late teenager or 20 something who was just too cool for school, so to speak, and was just judging this game too harshly, you know, too critically because it wasn't edgy enough, you know, which was something that I did a lot with a lot of games. Like, it's funny. I never did that to Knights. Knights, I don't know, got through somehow. Hmm. But a lot of games like this, I think I just judged way too harshly because I thought it's it certainly isn't like Resident Evil or anything like that. But uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, what do you think about Clockwork Knight? So I, I did not hate it as much as it sounds like you did at the beginning but it certainly <laughs> yeah. wasn't um you know one of my favorite games i just thought it was like a fairly competent platformer and uh -huh. over time i've grown to enjoy it more i still wouldn't necessarily put the first clockwork night you know in the upper echelons of saturn platformers but i certainly appreciate it a lot more than i did you know in the past right. but i will say that the second game is a heck of a lot more polished. You know, it's almost like comparing Clockwork Knight 1 and 2 to Sonic 1 and 2, in a way. Mm -hmm. Sonic oh, yeah, 2 yeah, is yeah. just a heck of a lot more polished, but there is a certain yeah. charm to Sonic 1, right? Yes. Sonic 1 is just much more bare bones, and there are things missing to it that that are just like refinements that they made. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, that came in Sonic 2 and even Sonic 3. You know, uh, so, but it's the initial vision, you know, mm -hmm, is what mm -hmm. Sonic 1 was. And and the same thing with Clockwork Knight. And, you know, I don't just like Clockwork Knight. I love Clockwork Knight these days. Like, it's nice. It's one of the few two games where, like, I hold them and I'm like, this sparks joy. I'm not getting rid of these games ever. Like, I love them. Not nearly as much as I love Knights, but I do love Clockwork Knight. It's a series that I've just, I don't know, because it's so Saturn. You know what I mean? Yes, it's that's so true. like, it's completely Saturn exclusive, which is a shame. Sega has not done more with this franchise. But I mean, it's just so incredibly unique to Saturn, you know? Um, I think maybe that's part of it. Is it's just like, I love it like I love the Saturn. But I mean, it is very quirky. It's very awkward at times. Mm -hmm. it does, it's not perfect, but it's got so many little things going for it, you know, um, that are endearing about it. That's you know? fair. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, all the things that I thought were silly or stupid, I love these days, you know. So I guess yeah. you could say it's kind of like the TJ Davis music. It's, I don't know, as I've aged, I've mellowed and I've come to really turn the corner and just change my mind about a lot of these things, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll I'll maybe uh, go to my last game here, and this is probably going to be a bit of a surprise entry, but it's Valora Valley Golf. Mm. So this is a game that, so it, first of all, it it's it's sort of like a derivative of Pebble Beach Golf Links. Um, so it's the exact same uh, engine and same sort of uh, approach, same uh, techniques, and so on. Minus Craig Stadler, 
and you know any license or anything and then add in like totally ridiculous wacky fantasy courses that would never exist in real life mm. mm-hmm. um you know and i approached pebble beach golf links at the time with some skepticism because it just it it actually felt more like a computer game to me more of a simulation right whereas i was mm. maybe expecting more of an arcadey type experience but it was okay. It was okay for me. But Valora Valley Golf sort of kept the simulation type aspect to it, um, but then added all this crazy stuff into it. You know, like sometimes right. you're golfing up a volcano or, you know, you're, you don't, you know, lose your, your ball into the water. You'll lose it into the lava or something crazy like right. that, right? <laughs> you know, and yeah. you're, you're sometimes golfing up like these really ridiculous mountains that you'd never – you know, there would never be a course that would exist in real life that does any right. of the stuff that uh, that Valor uh, Valley does, right? And and so so you take those crazy ridiculous courses and then you put digitized real human beings over top of that, and that's right. such, it's such a disconnect, right? And then and then to boot, you know, um, Pebble Beach at least didn't have any trick shots that you could pull off, but Valor Valley Golf does. Like you could. You know, make yes. your ball warp like halfway through your shot, and then have it appear right near to the uh, uh, to the hole, and like all these these kind of bizarro things. So it just seemed like a pretty horrendous mishmash of ideas that you know didn't really work. But again, this is something that as I've gotten older, I've kind of gotten to appreciate the artistry of it all. Like it, right. it's almost like you know. Uh, watching the Rocky Horror um, picture show the first time and and you think, what is this? And then later in time you realize, okay, I get it. This was bizarre. This was weird, but it's, it was important and it's a classic. And that's kind of how I feel about Valora Valley golf. I mean, you know, it is not the best golf game on the Saturn. It is definitely not the best golf game of the generation because golf games really went, you know, leaps and bounds, you know, just after the Saturn faded away. Oh, yeah. You know, with games like Mario Golf, which was sensational, um, I thought. But yeah, but Valora Valley Golf has that sort of stuttering update as as your ball flies. You don't follow the ball in real time 3D. You just kind of get these still pictures. Yeah, almost like a slideshow. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. And, and that gives it very much a sort of a like an old PC game feel, you know, but, but I've come to sort of appreciate the, the totally wacko um, courses and the, like the bizarro, you know, themes behind it. And the fact that I think I, if I'm, if I'm not misremembering, I think at the end you have to golf against the devil. Yes. Like it's just crazy. <laughs> it's the right? devil's. Yep. Absolutely. It's, it's totally crazy, but it somehow works because the gameplay behind it is like, once you kind of get into it, it's pretty solid, you know, like, right. Yeah. You know, if you're going to do badly, it's because you're not playing well, as opposed to the game is broken or something, you know? So so you can really kind of get into it. And it's such a sleeper hit for me. Like whoever talks about Valora Valley golf, nobody, nobody talks about Valora Valley golf, you know? And, and so it's just, it's one of those games that it just kind of grew on me. And now I quite enjoy it, you know? So, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, like how would you rank Valora Valley golf in sort of the pantheon of Saturn golf games? Well, it's up there <laughs> in terms of Saturn golf games. Cause you know, we don't have that many. I mean, Arguably, we have a few, but we only have a few really good ones. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, I like Valora Valley Golf 
the same way that I like their other game that they made, uh, which was uh, Virtual Hydlide. Mm. And that is ironically, like I like it. I enjoy it. I definitely get a laugh out of it. Um, I think if I want to play a TNE soft golf game, I'll probably fire up Pebble Beach. You mm-hmm. know, it's definitely more straightforward, you know. Um, but yes, like if I want to just laugh and have fun and not really take it too seriously i'll file fire up valora valley golf nice um it definitely is everything you said it was it's it's silly it's off the wall it it's kind of a mismatch in places Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. and you definitely it's like they definitely weren't committed to that the carrying out that theme with they could have at least had the people wear costumes or something like that you know have a costume party or something like that or have it be mini golf or something like that it's just kind of weird, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and again, like virtual Hydlide, there are a lot of things about that game that are not great, but it makes me laugh. It's funny. You know, if you don't take it too seriously, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't spend too much time with it because it can become quite frustrating, which I could say the same thing about Valora Valley golf. Like my ball ends up in the lava right. <laughs> way too often, you know? that it starts making me want to throw my controller, but I definitely enjoy it. And I own a copy and I would say that it it's like third place. Let's see, you've got Pebble beach and what else is, is on that list. That's really good is uh VR golf. 97 is good. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I think is actual golf, actual golf right, in, in, in the, the UK. UK. Exactly. And there, there are some real stinkers on the Saturn. Like, I mean, the PGA game, not good. Oh, not good. not good, not good. And yeah, but you know, so I'll say this though: it might interest you to know that TNE Soft did put out another two golf games on the Saturn that stayed in Japan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Did they do the Wiley one? No, no, that wasn't them. That was another. Not that was on three. They did that on three DO. Oh, did they? TNE okay. Soft. Yeah, their engine. See, I have both. I have Pebble Beach on three DO, and I also have Wiley, and um, they did both of those. Interesting, but. On 3DO, you don't get Craig Stabler and you don't, you don't, it's, they're a little bit more bare bones, Mm -hmm. you know, they're the kind of games that you would have seen in like a club shop. I used to see it in the Reno Tahoe airport because there's a golf course there. A lot of people fly in. There's a like a club shop in the airport and they would have a 3DO with Pebble Beach golf links and it was like on a demo reel. But it was never with Craig Sadler, and it was always just plain, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, contrast that with Valora Valley, which is just like as off the wall as madness. you possibly can get. You know, it's it's just like we have this yeah. engine, we have this golf engine. What can we do with it? You know, what else can we yeah. do with it? You know, for sure. And so, interestingly, the very last golf game that TNE put out on the Saturn finally graduated to you know sort of full 3d following the ball and everything okay but you could tell that they were struggling with it because as you're watching the ball in real time 3d all of the texture maps come off the uh the polygon landscape so you get like almost like a virtual racing type landscape and it isn't until your ball comes to rest and then all the textures come back oh wow so it's, you know, like it's progress, of course it's progress, but you know, it's, it's still, you know, that there are later golf games in the generation that totally blow it away. I'm so. going to have to look that up. I did. Yeah, definitely. It's called, it's, oh gosh, it's got a very bizarre title, something, the masters. Huh. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll look that up for you later. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I did not know Team that. Soft. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, okay. Masters. Haru Kanaru. 
Augusta three. Yeah, that sounds about right. Interesting. Wow. Okay. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check that out. Um, there's still. I'm still learning about Saturn games. I didn't know. Um, mm-hmm. Usually stuff like that that I overlook because I'm like, oh, it's just another golf game. Um, well, there you go. All right. I want to know what else you got. Well, I have several other games on this list, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe we could blow through them, or you know, um, I mean, we don't have to talk at length about too many of them. Like um, one that I can say briefly was uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga. You know, mm. I've told people this before, but like when I heard that Panzer Dragoon Saga was going to be an RPG, I felt the way a lot of people did in the West is at least in the West that, you know, no, that's it's a it's a it's an on rail shooter, you know, and I love it so much. You know, I love Zvi so much. It was so great that I was kind of, you know, a little disgruntled about finding out that it was going to be an RPG and looking at the screenshots. It didn't really sell me. I was like, no, I can't imagine this. And then, of course, playing the game, it changed my mind. Mm I do definitely love Panzer Dragon Saga. Uh, it has nothing to do with like how much it's worth or how rare it is. It's just it was a really well made game, not incredibly long, you know, for an RPG. Mm-hmm. Kind of a shorter experience for an RPG, but that's just as well because as I'm older, I have less time. You know, I was able to get through it uh, in you know a few short sittings, you know, over a period of a week, and um, got through it and enjoyed it immensely. And it changed my mind. And then went on to play it a couple other times. You know, I've played it now all the way through at least three times. Mm -hmm. So I've really enjoyed the game and it changed my mind. But yeah, my initial prejudice against it was just that it was just, again, expectation versus reality. What I really want is another on-rail shooter. And of course, we would get that in the form of Orta, you know. Um, But again, yeah, so it was just, you know, not what people wanted to hear. Just like, you know, when Burning Rangers, we heard, oh, Sonic Team is not making another Knights game, which I love Knights, you know, or they're not making another Sonic game. No, they're making a space firefighter game, you know? And so that one, you know, I went in with a certain amount of prejudice towards it or grumpiness, (laughs) you know, where I was like determined not to like it because it was not what I was expecting or what I wanted, you know? And then, of course, you play through it and you're like, yeah, Sonic Team, you know, they're just they make great games, you know. Yes. Um, and I love Burning Rangers, you know, that was another one on my list. Um, you know, there's not that much to say other than, again, expectations versus reality. And once I played the game, it just completely proved to me that I'm not imaginative enough. And Sonic Team, they've got these crazy ideas and they can make it work, you know, or at least they could, you know. Yeah, they were they were just dynamite at that time. You know, everything that yeah. they put out in that time period, I've enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, you know, the Christmas Nights quote unquote DLC disc was, you know, obviously phenomenal, way ahead of its time. Right. You know, obviously Nights, it considered you know a, a Saturn classic, and even Burning Rangers, which at the time got a little bit of shade because of the, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the graphical shortcomings. Um, that right. became apparent, but I, that's a game I really love too. I mean, of you know, course now it's like impressive what it's doing graphically because you know that it's like they're working against such limitations, you know, they're working against certain obstacles with the hardware and having to do weird tricks, you know, just to get, to get it to do what it needs yeah. to do. You know, one thing that I'll say quick about burning Rangers is that I appreciate now more than I did before, I think, because I don't think I just took much notice of it is um, the localization. I mean, all of that voice acting is actually pretty good, and and the voice is such a um, such a such a big component of the experience. 
that, you know, that in and of itself was what was ahead of its time for me. It wasn't necessarily the visuals. It was more the Mm -hmm. fact that, you know what, you've got to listen for, you know, the sound effects before the explosion. You have to listen to your dispatcher, so to speak, and your teammates, and, you know, they'll, they'll guide you which way to go. Like that was, that was new back then, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The voice navigation and um, the jump jets, Mm -hmm. you know, going around those 3d environments. Um, Just that feeling of kind of like floating in space, weightlessness, going through corridors and stuff like that. And, and the wide presentation too, you know, whenever you press a button and it would go like, you'd get the black bar on the top and bottom and then it would show like a, a, like a cut scene or something like that. And then it would open up kind of dynamically while you were playing the game. Yes. There were just little touches like that. It was just like, oh, wow, this is like, this is special, you know, and it's very colorful and and vibrant as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You've got a treat waiting uh, when you fire up PSO, I know that you're going to need time to dig into that, but I mean, you've got a, a real treat waiting when you do that. Um, but yeah, another great Sonic team game, I would argue, Definitely. but let me see. So yeah, we can wrap up. I, I just want to talk about, let's see, bug bug mm. and bug two, much like clockwork night. There were games. I just didn't take very seriously back then. I just kind of looked at them as kind of like, okay, quasi 3d platformer kind of thing. Um, they look again to someone who hadn't put any time in with them. I was just kind of like looking at footage that I was seeing either in magazines or, you know, let's plays and stuff like that thinking, Oh, you know, they just seem kind of generic. You know, there were so many platformers back then, you know? Yes. Um, and subsequently there have been, you know, so it's like looking at bug, I thought, Oh, you know, this just, just seems like another generic platformer. Of course, playing Bug 1 and Bug 2, they're just packed with so much personality. Yep. Um, they're so much better than I ever thought that they could be. Yep. Um, they're not incredibly easy. There, there are some parts that are like really tough as nails, you know, mm-hmm. and they start out really easily, but then the difficulty ramps up quite a bit. And um, but there's so much character in them, you know, uh, the, the animation, the character designs, the music, there's just so much to love in bug one and bug two. And, and so I think they're much better than people give them credit for much better than just kind of like an also ran series on the Saturn. I actually think that they belong up in the conversations of, of great games on Saturn. And they just, they don't get there because there's so many other really phenomenal games that kind of overshadow them, you know? Um, And they're typically Japanese games, you know, these phenomenal Japanese games that, kind of overshadow what's essentially a Western developed game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, Western developed games usually kind of don't get the same kind of love or attention that the Japanese games do. Is that unfair for me to say? No, I think that's quite fair. And just to sort of add on to to Bug, you know, yes, it was 3D, but I think players wanted more than just a 2D game with that third dimension slapped onto it right 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 so like when something like mario 64 came along everyone said okay yes that's it that's what 3d gaming should be yes but you know what again looking back in retrospect and i'm not going to take away from mario 64 it's a good game but um the fact that bug is limited in his cardinal directions actually makes playing it easier in some ways you know Mm -hmm. you're not really ever going to get weird awkward camera angles like you did in the first in in uh, in mario 64 
mm-hmm. uh, because you know the whole sort of 3D gameplay was was that new. And it's sort of satisfying knowing that if you're going to make a jump onto an enemy or whatever, you know that you're either going to hit or you're not. Like right. it's very sort of dualistic, whereas you add that third dimension and it's very much, okay, you're representing a three-dimensional space on a two-dimensional screen. And right. so it adds ambiguity that you just cannot get away from, right? Mm-hmm. And so Bug sort of sidesteps that in a very cool and clever way. Like there's still, you know... 3d constructed levels for him to run around through but but the interactions with the environment are all essentially 2d and i quite like that just like how knights i don't think would work at all if it if knights could fly around truly in 3d right it would be lost you know it would be exactly yeah and 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 there was a little bit of that in like journey of dreams you know where i felt like it kind of got away from mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. you know what i mean Yep. Like in the yep. in the in the portions where you were kind of going into the screen, yes, and you were yep. kind of like losing some of the accuracy. And it's not that it didn't work; it's not that you couldn't have fun with it. It's just that as high level knights players, we got accustomed to having the character move exactly precisely how we want it to. To mm-hmm. moving over to this other experience that's more of an abstract of what we want to do, you know, and so you know, it's just that's where it kind of left something to be desired but i mean i still liked journey of dreams because it's a night's game but you know mm-hmm. yeah you know bug is better than people give it credit for and maybe the name alone like bug it's a very generic name fair um, yeah you know it, it's 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 a generic name you know like they could have chosen something else but they chose bug right and so just as a kid or parent looking at a game on the shelf being like bug <laughs> you know yep. like it's not anything yep. it, it, you know like even sonic was a hedgehog but it's sonic the hedgehog you know he's fast he has an attitude and this game is literally just bug you know yes so that's another thing where i feel like it's just kind of hard to sell because it sounds so generic but people really need to give this series a look and um i argue it's even got like the, it's how the Halloween level, you know, on the second game yes. is phenomenal yep. and has some just amazing music to yep. it, you know? Uh, so very, very good. Changed my mind. And that was, you know, years ago, but like playing through it, I was just like, wow, yeah, this is really quite good. Um, we're both yawning cause it's getting late here. So I just want to wrap up with two more games that I'm not going to talk too long about. One is one that I've done videos about and I've talked about, and that is Initial D. Mm, um, good choice. It, it's a game. It's a game I love, Peter. I really do. Um, I love the Initial D series. I hated this game when I originally played it, and I didn't just hate it the first time. Like I hated it quite a few times. Like, I struggled to operate my vehicle mm-hmm. on, on these courses you know i mean first of all it's not the best looking game either like the graphics are a little janky it's definitely got that saturn jank to it um the playstation one game looks better arguably though it's a completely different game because it controls completely differently and it's got some some real differences to it so just speaking of initial d on the saturn it's quite difficult to come to grips with And that's because it really, really does want you to work hard at getting good at drifting the Mm -hmm. way that drifting is actually done. Like 
which is not easy to do in the real world. I've tried, okay, like <laughs> a, on like an open parking lot, you know, with you know zip tied fenders, <laughs> you know, like I have tried drifting, and it's a lot of muscle memory, and it's a lot of like trial and error and getting it wrong over and over and over again, and even crashing <laughs> a few times to actually get real drifting right and initial d on the saturn it's it's quite hard you you really do have to use the 3d control pad um you can use the d-pad as well and that works as well but it's just a little bit more difficult and you definitely have to learn how to brake into a corner and then ease off the brake and then use counter steer and all that stuff you know but once you get it then it's like You've beaten the game. Mm -hmm. You have conquered the mechanic that Genki designed, you know, which is really different from like Tokyo Highway Battle. They did Tokyo Highway Battle uh, or uh, Drift King 97 on the Saturn as well, which also has drifting, but it's a much more like arcadey automatic drift. You just right. press brake and you start drifting, yep. right? Yep. Which is the way that it works in Sega Rally. And it's the way that it works in so many other arcadey style games where you just want to be able to do it. You know, it's like you're Superman, you know, you can just drift, you know, in initial D you really do have to earn it and it takes time. But when you master it, you can complete the entire course without hitting a single guardrail. That's impressive. I promise you, because I've done it and you can even beat, mm. um, you know, the red suns, you can even beat uh, several of your opponents, you know, you can even end up beating your own dad, you know, which is quite a, quite a feat if for folks who know the series, but it, it's not easy. It doesn't come easy, but when you get it, you do feel that sense of accomplishment that you did it, you know, you figured it out and that's really what it is to beat initial D it's not just to like finish the campaign it's to really like come to grips with the control scheme and basically gain mastery over it so I've come to completely do a 180 and, and really enjoy initial D now because I've gained gained mastery over the drift controls it's a good game and then uh, just to cap it off, and I'll make this short and sweet, Jurassic Park, uh, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, was a game that I used to play with my brother. Huh. It was a rental we uh, from the library originally, I think, back in the day, and we like checked it out multiple times, and we would play this game over and over again. We would love it. We played together. I think we had, it was like one of those things where it's all we had, so we just play the hell out of it, you know? And we quite enjoyed it. And these days, coming back to it, I enjoy the the John Williams, you know, score. I enjoy the the orchestral music, but the game is quite a it's quite um it's one of those games that makes you just want to yep, break your definitely. controller because it's very hard and unfair and and it's just a game that I have very little patience with these mm. days. So, it's kind of my only example of a game where I actually liked it back in the day when I was a kid and now I've come to have hardly any patience for it yeah that's you know? definitely not one of my favorite saturn games but you're right like i mean visually it's all right the the soundtrack is of course sensational i mean right you know john williams like what other saturn game do you have featuring a world famous composer you know of that caliber right and and yet the game mm, yeah. you know it was it was when it came out though it was like, I think it coincided with the VHS release, I think. But I mean, so Jurassic Park was huge back then. And I mean, it still arguably, it still is. It's just these days is Jurassic World. But back then we were on the hype train. We were on the Jurassic Park hype. My brother and I loved it. And so it was just kind of like 
that was part of it, you know, the hype and, oh, it's cool. You know, it's got 3D dinosaurs and you're running. There are some segments that are actually quite cool where you're like running away from a dinosaur that's chasing you or where you're like trying to avoid the stomping feet of the Brachiosaurus or whatever. And so there are some part parts of it that are actually quite cool, but most of the game is just completely unfair and and just brutally difficult, even on the easy setting. <laughs> so mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's just one of those games that I would. Whereas I might go back to Independence Day, like you recommended, you know, for a nice mm-hmm, chill mm-hmm. play, I can do that. I can enjoy myself for a short stint. I won't go back to Lost World <laughs> because I know I'm just going to end up getting frustrated, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair assessment. It's I would not put that in the upper half of the Saturn library for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That 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 was my entire list. I I kind of thought you would end up picking like several more games, but uh, but anyway. Well, to to be honest, I thought of it, but I figured you know what, we're probably going to dissect our our games quite well. So right, yeah, you know, I, I kind of yeah. So yeah, it's been a good one though. Um, yeah, honestly, there's probably a few others that we've both had that have that have changed our mind, but these are definitely the big ones, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot Sonic jam that was on here. Sonic jam. Well, anyway, Sonic jam was one that I didn't really like back then. Cause I was just like, Oh, why would I want to play? I could just play this on the Genesis or whatever, you know, what's the big deal. You know? And now these days it's like, I love Sonic jam. It's a nice competent little compilation yep. of awesome Sonic games on the Saturn. Um, and there's even, you know, some tweaked controls and stuff like that from Sonic team themselves, you know, um, in the form of different modes that you can choose. And, uh, and again, it's like one of those things where if you just really wanted a 3d Sonic game, you'd be pissed that you got Sonic jam (laughs) instead. But now all these years later, just taking it for what it is, you know, I love firing it up and having my son play it or I play it. And then uh, just dinking around in Sonic world, the, the little 3d thing, you know, it's fun. Love that game. Love it, love yeah. it, love it. And it came out before any of the music licensing issues reared their yes. ugly heads. So it, you know, these are the Genesis games. So and they're yeah. they are ported. They're not emulated, which I find exactly. So they're yeah. ported, yeah. So it, it runs quite well. And um you can even turn on spin dash in like in Sonic, Sonic 1, One, or yeah. you can have like um and they've they even found a way to put extra boxes like with rings and stuff like that in certain areas mm. in the game. Yeah. But yeah, so that I didn't know. And so, you know, people have differing opinions on on how faithful it is to like the original playing the original on Genesis or whatever, how well it controls. But like personally I really like normal mode on Sonic Jam is actually like the retooled, refined controls mode versus original mode. A lot of people just see original and they're like, oh, okay, let's go for original. And that is like what you're getting is like one to one with like the original song. Right. But when you play it on normal, not easy or hard, but just normal, you're getting their definitive vision for how they wanted it to control, you know, with little refinements and stuff like that, that Sonic Team made. Interesting. I didn't know yeah. that. So no, yeah. I've got something to try Yeah, out. it's something to try out. But yeah, anything else you wanted to say about any of these games before we uh, head out? Uh, you know, just a quick final comment. As we continue to age... Like once we hit our 50s and eventually 60s and beyond, I'm curious, you know, what my opinions are going to be of all of these games then, you know, in the future at the Good time. Point. So, yeah, 
you know, and just kind of see, because who knows what the modern gaming landscape is going to be like mm-hmm. in, you know, 20, 30 years. And, you know, will this stuff be looked upon as absolutely ancient relics or will it, there be a, you know, a, a desire for the simplicity of a Sega Saturn game? I mean, who knows, right? But, um, you know, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see um, how our tastes continue to evolve, really. Yeah. Will I have enough patience for Sonic R when I'm 60? I don't know. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe by that time, they'll, they'll have done a, like an enhanced remake of it, you know? Yep. You never know. I'm, I'm holding out for hope. We just found out today on the Nintendo Direct that they're doing Samba de Amigo again. So yes, anything can happen, right? I mean, so... We'll hit you guys up in the next, uh, I don't know, 10 to 20 years and let you guys know. (laughs) We'll revisit this. Yeah, absolutely. But until next time. That was a good time, Dave. Yeah, it's been Saturn Dave and Peter reminding you that you must play your Sega Saturn and check out some of these games and let us know what you think. Until next time, we'll catch you later. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.